This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Aplos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.aplos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. As a nonprofit leader, you eventually realize you can't do everything yourself. But hiring is complicated. Volunteers have other demands on their time. And what if you only need part-time help anyway? Well, Belay, an innovative staffing solution, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. Let Belay help you become a more effective and successful nonprofit leader, making a positive impact in the community by helping you juggle less and accomplish more. Just go to Belay, B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash nonprofit leadership. I think it's always fascinating to learn why someone starts a nonprofit. Sometimes it's a personal tragedy. Sometimes it's an aha moment that changes the whole trajectory of someone's career. While other times something so captivates a person that they want to spend the rest of their life invested in that cause. Well, my guest today had one of those aha moments through an incredibly difficult personal experience. My guest is Julia Jackson, born into the family business of Jackson Family Wines. Julia has always had a deep connection to the land. Then in 2017, after the terrible fires in Northern California forced her to evacuate from her home, she decided to begin the transition of investing her energy and time from the family wine business into climate-centered work. The next year, Julia founded Grounded.org, a philanthropic initiative that brings together scientists, policymakers, investors, executives, and frontline organizations in order to foster greater collaboration and drive more awareness and to scale solutions in order to address the climate crisis. And then in 2019, Julia was honored by Travel and Leisure as a recipient of the publication's Global Vision Award. Now on to the show. Well, Julia, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. You bet. Let's dive right into uh, some of the executive orders that President Joe Biden has implemented over his first weeks as president. He signed a number of executive orders that focus specifically on the issue of climate change. Can you talk to me about what this means for the climate philanthropy community, which I know you're very active in? Why don't you talk about that to start off with? I think this is really good news for the climate community because less than 2% of all philanthropic giving goes to environmental causes. And of that 0.2% makes it to communities on the ground. And so what I hope, and I think we will see with the Biden administration pushing climate as a really top priority and agenda is a groundswell and demand for climate solutions and climate organizations to turn this crisis around. So I think that that slice of the philanthropic pie will start to increase 
beyond 2%. And we need way more funding to go to the environment um, because if just 0.2% of all philanthropic giving is hitting communities on the ground, that means that basically nothing is going towards stewarding this planet and preserving our biosphere. So I'm hopeful that with this administration prioritizing climate, there will be much more philanthropic capital. And I, as a philanthropist, decided to only focus on the environment because if we don't have a planet, then nothing else matters. Well, I know this is really a passion of yours for sure. Uh, you founded Grounded, which I mentioned on my the outset of the show, and you're currently leading this uh, social impact organization. And like you said, you prioritize the environment and specifically climate change that directly impacts our planet. Tell us a little bit more about what you and Grounded are trying to do and trying to change specifically in our world today. Sure. So I'll rewind to when it was 20. 20- 16, I was working in my family business and um, I come from a family wine business. So we've always had a deep connection with the land and stewarding the land because our crop is so dependent upon just the different cycles of nature. And um, growing up on a ranch, I was pretty in tune with nature and being outside and um, recognize the privilege inherent in that because a lot of people don't get to grow out up in nature. And I think that's something that is really special. Um, and so this deep connection of the land was always there, but I wasn't really aware of the urgency of the climate crisis. I had seen like Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. And um, at the time, it was really Al Gore as a, a public figure championing the climate crisis. And it was really, um, as I'm sure you know, politicized in our country. And it's not that I didn't take it seriously. I just thought that the climate crisis or climate change, which is even passive, I believe, like a passive thing to call it because um, it's changing so rapidly. It wasn't really at the forefront and it wasn't in the news cycle. And so I was... I was um, in the family business and I was donating to different causes. And my epiphany hit when my father got sick with cancer. He um, actually passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I remember out of sadness and almost desperation, going to the bookstore and looking in the cancer section um, and buying a bunch of books and reading them about cancer and the root of cancer and throughout the through line between those books at the time when my father was so sick was the correlation between our internal state of health and environmental degradation and all of the toxins that we're exposed to every day. And so that was my aha moment. So I went down a rabbit hole on health and um, holistic ways of, of healing the body. My dad unfortunately passed away and I was devastated at the time. But from that sadness, I ended up going down a um, health rabbit hole and from the health gateway went down an environmental rabbit hole. And I love to read. So I just started reading more and unraveling what's happening to our planet and discovering the urgency of what we're up against. I had no idea. And then fast forward to 2017, um, the wildfires 
really decimated our community in Santa Rosa, the Tubbs fire. It was all over the global news and it was $9 billion worth of damage. It felt like the apocalypse and we had to evacuate. And that time our home was safe. And I just remember feeling just this huge sense of grief um, and also fear for what's to come because it felt like a taste of what we're up against. And if that was a taste, what are what is it going to look like in the next 10 years? And that's when I decided as a philanthropist, I only want to give to environmental causes. I had met Leonardo DiCaprio and his executive director, Justin Winters at the time, who founded a big organization, um, LDF, um, granting to communities on the ground. And um, they were the ones that really educated me on the statistics of, of environmental philanthropy. And so I consciously decided that I was just going to focus on the environment after that apocalyptic moment. And one thing I noticed when I was granting to different NGOs in the environmental space was they were all doing amazing work. But why was it that so little money was going to all these NGOs? And on top of that, why were they so siloed and not talking to each other? Um, so that's when I came up with the idea for Grounded, which was um, really born from, the, from a place of urgency and also the desire to de-silo the environmental community, get more people working together on solutions and um, get them all in a room talking to each other, building relationships. And so that's why I created a summit was to get some of those NGOs together um, and also put solutionists on stage because I'd been to climate summits and it was usually a bunch of corporations or government officials patting themselves on the back. And meanwhile, we're heading off a cliff. Yeah, so that's, that's really why I decided to found Grounded was to really put the solutionists at the forefront, um, tangible solutions to reverse the climate crisis. And, um, and I ended up taking a step um, back from my responsibilities at the family business to really focus on the climate crisis because I recognize that not only if we don't turn this around in the next decade, do we potentially not have a wine industry, but we potentially might not have our species. Um, that's how dire it is. So I, I just consciously decided I want to put my energy into um, being part of a community that turns it around. It sounds like this is a very personal thing for you where you really responded to this out of your, the grief of, you know, losing your father, number one, but then also what you're seeing in the environment and that, kind of created within you this real desire to put all your focus and energies into dealing with the environment. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, what you've seen so far and what success you've had and uh, other maybe people that have come and responded to your desire to get this together with Grounded. Well, what I've seen so far is from a macro level with the climate community, I'll start with the bad things I've seen. Um, with the Paris Agreement, I'm really happy that the U.S. is rejoining the Paris Agreement, but only two countries are actually on target to reach 1.5 degrees Celsius, um, and that those countries are Morocco and Gambia. Um, the U.S. is actually in the critically insufficient category, heading towards four degrees or more Celsius by the end of the century. 
So we've got a lot of work to do as a global community. And I feel like the Paris Agreement's just been lip service um, and we need to actually be about action and bigger commitments and something that actually holds these countries accountable. I hope the US can step up and lead and be way more ambitious in our targets. So that's what I've seen um, that makes me not very happy <laughs> as, a, as a human on this planet that we, we have a lot of work to do with the Paris Agreement. Um, even if people think it's a good thing the US is rejoining, that the Paris Agreement in general has not been successful. So how do we make it successful and make countries step up on their targets? Because um, two countries is not nearly enough. I think Costa Rica is, is pretty uh, close to joining Morocco and Gambia, um, but that's only three countries. <laughs> and they're all, I would, they're all pretty small countries comparatively to like the United States, Germany, China, India. So yeah, that's a really interesting exactly. point. There's many different solutions. There's no silver bullet solution that will reverse the climate crisis. However, we have some promising solutions and all of them pretty much exist already. We just need to get to work scaling them. We'll be right back. Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Aplos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.aplos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, including some from other countries, all trying to make their world better. So when you go to our website, you can also subscribe to my monthly leadership update in order to get more content, ask me questions, and discover additional information. Just look for the subscribe button on the right-hand side of the webpage. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Well, this is fascinating. I could tell you've done a lot of research on this. Um, not to change subjects too much, but in addition to the environmental issues we're dealing with, last year, of course, was this massive pandemic, right, that we just, we're still in, right, we're not out of it yet. Uh, it's impacted a lot of nonprofits, and many of the arts organizations, uh, sports organizations, and uh, cultural organizations have really been hit hard. They've had to close their doors, uh, just because of um, lack of, you know, support. How is it going in your mind, from your perspective, not just with your organization grounded, but just other, uh, maybe environmentally driven nonprofits, are they also uh, experiencing a real downturn and support and financial, you know, backing, or are they doing okay? Give me a sense of what you are seeing and your other uh, colleagues that are doing the same kind of work. How has COVID impacted your work? Yeah, I think COVID has impacted everyone's organizations all across the spectrum, especially the environmental community 
at least in the beginning, it felt, at least with some of the colleagues with other organizations, it felt insensitive to be pushing environmental um, initiatives in the face of a global pandemic. But the, the more we were learning about COVID, the more we saw the correlation between our assault on biodiversity and um, um, disease transmission from animals to humans and then migrating into different locations and the potential for more global pandemics to come from destroying these ecosystems. Um, and so there is a correlation between um, destroying the planet and the rise in global pandemics. And I think COVID is just the first of potentially many, like there are foreign microbes that they're finding in thawing permafrost um, that have come from decomposing carcasses that have been frozen for thousands of years, but all of a sudden because of climate change um, that, that uh, the permafrost is thawing. And so we really at the root of everything um, need to address the climate crisis in terms of financial support to organizations because of COVID, yes, it's gone down and it's really unfortunate because we really need to address the climate crisis if we want to get ahead of uh, potentially future global pandemics. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, one of the things that going back to Grounded, uh, an important mission of what you do there at Grounded is focused on de-siloing the climate community and getting dollars into those front lines. Um, so going back to your work there, uh, you've already kind of shared a few things that you were trying to do. And part of the reason why you started it was because there were all these silos and people were doing their own thing. They weren't working together. How has your organization, you know, led in this effort? And for my listeners, um, you know, this is a leadership podcast and we're always talking about uh, how can we improve our leadership? Perhaps you can share what um, their organizations can do and the broader philanthropic community, perhaps to make this a reality, not just for environmentally driven nonprofits, but nonprofits in general, how do we collaborate better and therefore get money to boots on the ground, so to speak, of people actually doing the difference on the ground level, whatever their organization is. There is actually a lot of beauty in the environmental community with relationships and forming deep friendships with other organizations and people. And I feel like organically through those relationships, um, natural collaborations take place. So for anyone listening, I encourage you to reach out to other um, organizations in your sphere and to form those relationships and to check out what others are doing um, and see how you can collaborate and help each other out because we're really one community trying to do the same thing. Um, for Grounded, we're really an amplification platform for other um, NGOs, for other solutionists. Um, we just want to get as many um, solutionists as possible to reach many different people um, and feature them. So we, we had to pivot because of COVID from a summit um, and it was devastating at the time. We were actually in the midst of gathering for our second um, solution summit and COVID hit literally right as we were about to gather last March. Um, we definitely were like, we have to cancel because the safety of our community is of the utmost importance. And it, even though it's heartbreaking, we didn't want to be incubating 
COVID potentially at a summit. So um, I'm going to be a super spreader event. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. a good call. <laughs> yeah, um, it was pretty, yeah, it was a, a sad moment. Um, and so we had to um, pivot. And this last year with the team, I brought a new team member on that understands um, really um, online um, and media. And she's awesome, Michelle Martin. Um, she and I and the team envisioned what what is a COVID-friendly business model that can gather people. And so we're pivoting online basically to an online summit, which will launch on Earth Day coming up, where we will be uh, churning out um, live panels online um, with a global community of solutionists. Um, and it's not the same as gathering in person. However, we wanted to design it so that there is uh, a feeling of a sacred space you're entering in visually um, that's intimate and it's not just another Zoom call and you feel like you're part of a community that you can network with. And so there will be a social component as well. So if you're a solutionist wanting more funding or um, if you're a solutionist um, wanting to just network or if you're just a citizen wanting to learn more about the climate crisis and solutions to the climate crisis, we welcome all to come tune in and, and watch the live panels. Um, so we'll be turning out um, content every month um, with these live panels. So we really had to pivot, but I think there's silver lining because I think a lot of organizations had to pivot as well. And the silver lining is, is we will adapt to a digital era and find a way to still convene as a community um, from all walks of life. And also, if you think of the carbon footprint of traveling all around the world, um, the beauty is, is that the emissions from traveling have gone way down. So we can gather online um, and not have that same carbon footprint. Um, who knows what the vaccine what the uptick will be in traveling again. But um, anyways, yeah, we're excited about this, this launch. Will we ever gather again with a summit to be determined? But for now, we're really happy to gather online. No, congratulations on that. And my hope is for your sake, yeah, that maybe it's a hybrid where you can have some people gathered, but also a lot of people online. Now, one of the things that many people have said that are interested in the climate and, and maybe lead organizations like yourselves that they feel like we've entered a new era of environmental action. Um, now, a year, uh, say a year from now, when we look back, what is your opinion? What needs to happen this year, say, that uh, really would show that we're making real progress in addressing these biggest challenges regarding our climate? Oh, gosh, that would be a long list. But let's, <laughs> okay, that's let's right. Prioritize. I'm going to go with Dream World in a year from now. In Dream World, we've started aggressively divesting from the fossil fuel industry, um, converting to renewables, um, decentralizing uh, energy like you're seeing in Texas. We need to decentralize and really have renewable sources and um, community-powered energy systems. And in a year from now, um, the Global Safety Net, which is a really thorough framework that the organization One Earth has created, um, which shows through satellite imaging the 50% of the planet we must protect by 2030 in order to stay below 
1.5 degrees Celsius. I encourage everyone to check it out, Global Safety Net. In a year from now, Global Safety Net is being adopted by world leaders all around the world. And what's super interesting about the Global Safety Net um, is that um, of the 50% of the planet we must protect by 2030, 37% of those territories are occupied by indigenous communities, meaning that we must protect, like the most biodiverse places on earth are occupied by indigenous communities. So they go hand in hand with biodiversity and biodiversity is a huge solution to the climate crisis. Like look at the Amazon, for instance, um, it sequesters up to 5% of our global greenhouse gas emissions. So in a year from now, people are recognizing the importance of indigenous communities and doing everything they can to um, step, step up their protection of them and empowerment of them. And way more indigenous peoples are taking play, uh, leadership positions I would feel safer going to sleep at night if I knew there were indigenous leaders in office because they really care about our planet and the future of our planet. Well, again, thank you for sharing your heart, your passion. And obviously you've done a lot of research again, as I mentioned before, uh, you have a lot of dreams for this next year. And But way to go. I love that. I think you've challenged all of us that are listening uh, to all the different things you've given to us. Thanks for taking time to be on the show. Again, how can my listeners find out more about you and more about Grounded? I have an Instagram. It's just Julia K. Jackson. It's uh, not the most robust Instagram. I, I'm starting to barely post on it, but you can follow me there. Um, or you can go to uh, grounded.org and learn about what we're doing. We're going to be refreshing the website um, to launch our um, online summit. So that refresher will be launching in about a month. And then we will be doing the live panels um, coming up on Earth Day in April. Okay, so, so something, yeah, coming up on Earth Day. Okay, Julia Jackson has been my guest. Thank you again for taking time uh, calling in from Kauai. Uh, really appreciate you uh, being on the show, and thanks for sharing all those great insights to all of our listeners. And I encourage them to check out more about you and check out more about your organization. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. Hey, friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better. Well, we're excited to have Apolos as the sponsor of this nonprofit podcast. And what's unique about Apolos is that they are dedicated not only to providing you with the best tools, but also to offering free training from their in-house experts and CPAs. Right now, you can get access to a solid webinar on five essential financial reports for nonprofit leaders. To get access, go to nonprofit.apolos.com.